Okay. Hello. I have a, a guest on today. His name is Josh Mahler. Is that how you pronounce your last name, Josh? Yeah, yeah, it's Mahler. Mahler. Um, I met him online, and he has a podcast called Politically Insane, um, which I found very interesting. And from previous podcasts, you might know that I'm interested in um, polarization and decreasing the amount of polarization. And so I invited Josh on because it seems like, at least on the surface, we have very different political views. Um, and so I just thought, let's have a conversation and see what happens. So, so Josh, maybe you could just briefly introduce um, like what your podcast is about and and your general political views. Yeah, so uh, really, I-, I wanted to start a podcast for for the most part because I'm very patriotic. Uh, you know, I love my country, America, and and I'm also a very strong believer in God. I'm a, I'm a Christian. I've grown up for most of my life uh, as a Christian and taught to think kind of radical in both terms, both political and uh, in Christianity. And so, you know, with my podcast, my goal was just to kind of let my voice be heard. Uh, for me, it was kind of frustrating to sit back and see everything that was going on in the world and feel like I'm not really doing anything to try to help, not doing anything to try to to really voice my opinion. And I didn't really know how to go about that. Uh, and you know, of course, I'm, I would love to be able to do more. Um, but ultimately, I, my goal is to try to drive for unity. Uh, I realized that, that with my political views, I'm probably not going to drive a whole lot of unity. Um, but you know, what, with my political views are how I view things today. And that's how I try to come across on my show is that today I, I view things in, in this specific light. And I'm always open to suggestions. I'm always open to conversation, which was why I was really glad that you reached out. Um, just because I, I, I think uh, though my conservative uh, political views might might drive some away. My intentions are that, you know, some might hear my, my conservative point of views and hear that I have an open mind and maybe reach out and, and try to find unity in any way that we can. So that's, that's pretty much the goal of my podcast, just kind of letting my voice be heard and hopefully be able to drive, uh, you know, the point home to people that I'm, I really do want unity, not just in America, but really across the world, if, if that can be the case. Amazing. Yeah. Um, so maybe we could go into something more, more specific. Um, I'm in Canada, I'm in Toronto, Canada, so we don't vote in the same elections, but, um, if I was going to be, if I was voting in the, in the American election, I probably would have voted for the Democrats and I'm assuming you would have voted for the Republicans. Is that correct? Yeah, this this election I did, I did vote for Donald Trump. I I liked uh, overall his policies much better for the American uh, for the American government. Um, but uh, you know, most of the time I, I've I've only voted one other time, and I voted for a third party for a libertarian. A libertarian, okay. Yeah, so I, I think I kind of bounced back and forth, like right there in the middle, you know, of the middle right, I guess, is what you'd call me. Okay, so have you? Have you always kind of been in that position politically? 
For the most part, yeah. I'd, I'd say I I grew up maybe further right uh, is how I was taught. Um, but then, and, and if, if you were to talk to my dad, <laughs> who is probably the one that's taught more politics to me than, than most, uh, you know, he, he would lean f- further right than I would. But I, I, for me, and, and he, not to say that he's not open-minded, I think he's always taught me to be open-minded by his example, but, you know, he, he, uh, he's also open to suggestion, but just kind of leans further right than I would on most stances. Hmm. That's interesting. My, my dad is, is leaning left too. And I might even say that I am, I am less, less left leaning than my dad. So it seems like both of us have been more moderate than our parents have. (laughs) That's, yeah. That's interesting. I mean, honestly, when you talk about polar, uh, you know, the political polarization, I think that's really how you have to lean is more somewhere in the middle, because if you lean, lean so far one way, which, you know, I, I think is a huge problem with our politics today, really across the globe, is that everyone seems to want to lean so far one way or the other that we can't ever get that connection in between. Mm, yeah. Yeah. So what what political issues have you been thinking about lately? Um, lately, uh, it, it seems in America anyways, I think the, the big, big one is just over our election. Uh, we've had a lot of, at least evidence. I, I wouldn't say proof because there hasn't been a lot of proof given. Uh, I think there's a difference between the two, but there has been evidence of a lot of voter fraud in many different ways. Uh, so I think that's really been on my mind. I know for, for much of what's been going on. Um, but you know, I, I'd say political, Politically, I think what's been on my mind uh, is has really been with COVID. You know, most countries and most of uh, the states in America are really pressing for shutdowns. And I know uh, Biden, uh, if he does indeed get the election, which it looks like he will, that uh, he is very much leaning towards trying to get shutdowns put into place. So I think that's that's one that's kind of made me nervous because I think that's bad for our economy. Uh, it's bad for for personal business owners, you know, especially small businesses. Which recently I've been talking to small business owners, and had uh, my past two episodes were were about small businesses. Hmm. Okay, so maybe we'll get to COVID, but the the election stuff. So, just immediately off the top, I heard I heard you say that um, Biden. It looks like Biden Biden is going to win the election. You said that, right? Yeah, yeah, most likely. Yeah, so just right off the top, I'm noticing that a lot of the left-wing media that I consume, like when I go on social media, they, the social media algorithms feed me left-wing media. And I, I get this picture that people who are on the right, especially in America, think that the election was definitely fraudulent and Trump definitely won and only these crazy left-wingers think that Biden won. But you've just proven that that's not true. You actually think that Biden will probably win. You just want to make sure that there was no fraud. Is that correct? Yeah, yeah. I think my stance uh, really throughout this entire process has been because of the evidence that we do see, because of some of the lies that have been told, and specifically in, in Pennsylvania and Georgia is where you see a lot of it, um, you see some that could swing states. And like I know uh, Nevada, I believe, is one that could swing states, uh, could swing that state. 
But, you know, in Pennsylvania and Georgia, there's been so much fraud that, you know, it, it seems that it could have impacted the election. But my, my standpoint is more or less that I'd like to know how the election really was won rather than give it to one or the other. And if it was leaning towards Trump in the way that it's leaning towards Biden, I would still want it that way. I, I want to know that, you know, the, the thing that I take pride in as an American is that we have a democracy, that we all get to vote and we get to say for who is uh, really representing our country. So for us to uh, to have that democracy messed with in any way, I, I just more or less would like to see that even if there was fraudulent activity, but it wasn't enough to affect the election, I'd like to I'd like to know that as an American. Hmm. So, what would you say to someone who says that there is no evidence of voter fraud? That there's no evidence of voter fraud, I would say that I just simply <laughs> would disagree with that. I I think there's been there's been a lot of uh, evidence given, even in the courts, lots of sworn affidavits uh, sworn in. There has been video footage of things that are at least at least evidence of of something sketchy going on. Uh, Can you for, say something specific, like because uh, yeah. I, like I said, in the in the media that I am presented with, I don't see these these things. I I I don't I actually don't know what specific evidence is happening, and so. Yeah, I think a lot of people are are kind of blinded to that. Like you said, there are you know algorithms set up in media uh, itself that leans towards, and I think that's a huge part of why there's so much political polarization because the media we we are so drawn to Facebook and Twitter and Instagram, whatever social media platforms you're on, that we're so drawn into those that those algorithms algorithms do direct us different ways. But you know, for for one example, in Georgia, that's where we're seeing a lot of. Uh, a lot of evidence being shown, but for example, there's video ed- evidence that uh, on election night, they uh, told, you know, there was a uh, voting facility, uh, a voting counting facility in Georgia, uh, in Atlanta, Georgia. That's the biggest county in Georgia. That was mainly the the one county that they were expecting to decide the state. And in that that facility there where they were counting, they had said that there was a water water pipe had burst. They sent everyone home that they were not counting anymore. But then shortly after this, uh, you know, this announcement had come out that they had sent everybody home. They were getting more uh, voting dumps in for you know they were they were reporting more votes, and so that was kind of a, kind of something that we can see as evidence that was maybe a little bit of a head scratcher. Um, but then now we see that there was evidence that. They did have somebody walk into, there's video footage of somebody walking into the room and explaining to, to certain counters that they needed to leave, which the story is back and, back and forth, so I'm not sure exactly how to take that. Um, but, you know, they, they were told to leave and they have sworn affidavits saying that they were told to leave. And as you see certain people leaving, there was others that stopped counting altogether as they were told and they waited and when... It was reported that no one was counting any more ballots. It seems that they had picked back up in, in counting ballots. And it was a massive amount of ballots. And in that time, too, you can see them taking out these suitcases or some sort of tubs from underneath tables. And they're carrying them over. And those those are the ballots that they started counting. And the the odd thing for that, for someone who looks at it from, you know, even, even just with an open mind, is thinking, well, 
you know, maybe those were split ballots, but it seems that all of these cases that this kind of stuff happens always leans towards Biden in a majority. Uh, and I'm talking like a 95 to 5% majority for, for Biden in these voting dumps. So that's just one example, you know, of, of some of the evidence that, that is, is at least given. And like I said, evidence is not always proof, but it is evidence that's given out there that at least for people like me, has me scratching my head and wanting a direct answer instead of kind of mixed stories. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and hearing that, you know, I, I used to be much more, um, much more, I guess, partisan. Um, I used to be someone who, who thought that, uh, the way to make things better in the world is that, you just have to make all these stupid conservatives get out of your way. <laughs> and I don't think that anymore. But back when I did think that, I could I could come up with with many reasons to just discount the story you just told me. You know, I could I could I could say that it's just a rumor, like the video evidence shows someone bringing in votes. That's not anything to worry about. They're bringing in votes. It's election night. You know, the, the, whatever, you know, I could make up whatever story I wanted to, but, um, just hearing, hearing you now, I do want to know what really happened. And if the, the little evidence that we have suggests that there was something strange going on where there was a water pipe burst and everyone had to leave, was the, was the water pipe actually burst? They, then, so they had said that the, a water pipe burst on election night, and that was the story for a while. And then as people had investigated and wondered what was really going on, why were the Republican poll watchers, or uh, poll watchers and counters, uh, ballot counters, why were they sent home? And so as all these questions are going on and more investigation turn, uh, comes out, now they're saying it was just a urinal that had overflown. So it really wasn't anything that was in danger of anyone as, as they were uh, saying, and it wasn't any reason for them to to have even stopped counting, especially on election night when you know we were wanting these these ballots counted and, and pushed in. So Republican vote counters were sent home, whereas Democrat vote counters were were what they were just told to stop counting for a bit, or what was what was happening there? So the the reports that are out, and like I said, you know, honestly, everything seems so hard to understand what's really going on because, like I said, yeah. there's. And there's stories from both sides. You don't really know who to trust. And for me, I try to keep an open mind because a conservative can tell me something. And though their side sounds more compelling to me because of my conservative views, I can't always trust what they're saying because they are also against those on the left. So I have to kind of be open-minded in that sense. But what, you know, so what, what the reports are is that they came in, they told everyone to, to go home. And it seems that only the Republican uh, vote counters, you know, the, uh, uh, ballot counters were sent home. And those are the ones that have sworn affidavits in Georgia that are saying that they were told to go home, but others stayed behind. And like I said, you can also see in some, uh, video evidence that they had, they had a surveillance camera in that room where it seemed that those counters, you know, everyone stopped. They were listening to this person talking and some got up and left, which they say that they were they were told to go home and some stayed, but those who are staying are also saying, well, no, we weren't told to go home. We were just told 
to stop counting for a minute and take a break. And those people just decided to leave. So, you know, there's kind of balancing, <laughs> balancing uh, stories, kind of going back and forth between the two. So it's, it's hard to know which side to really trust, which side is, is telling the truth. But I think the head scratcher for someone like me who just wants to get down to what is the true story is that, you know, just the fact that they can't come out with a definitive statement. Um, and then also just the fact that it seems that they keep on denying any, uh, you know, rejecting any kind of lawsuits that are coming out to try to combat what is going on or to give evidence to the court to give it to make it proof. Right. So it seems like people are being defensive is what you're saying. Yeah. Yeah. It seems that they're trying to, that that their answers that they're giving make it seem like they're trying to hide something instead of just giving a, a straight answer. Why couldn't they have told us on election night that they sent some people home because of a urinal overflowing instead of a pipe burst? Or if they didn't really send them home, then why was the first report that they did send them home? And why are there people saying, I was told directly to go home that we were stopping uh, our, our vote counting. Right. Yeah. So, so obviously you and I are not going to figure out who actually won the, the uh, election right now on this podcast. There's no way we can figure that out. No, but, but the whole, the whole point is, and you, you said it yourself is that it's so hard to know what's true and what's not. Yeah. And so I guess for people listening at home, there's a lot of um there's a lot of sort of hatred being thrown around because of I don't know, people on the on the right might think that people on the left are stupid for thinking that the election was was correctly done and people on the left think that people on the right are stupid for thinking there might be voter fraud. And and that's the that's the problem that I think we can maybe make a dent in because we don't we don't really know and and it's there's no point in in sort of hating your neighbor over something where you you really don't know the truth of, of what went on so you know yeah absolutely um yeah how so how on social media are if you're on social media very much, do you have people um, on the left interacting with you a lot on social media? Uh, yeah, I mean, do you mean through my podcast, social media, or personal? Through any, personal or, or your podcast, whatever. Yeah, I, I actually, uh, I mean, I've gotten some uh, through the podcast, and it's usually not polite because <laughs> because they don't agree with me, but... Uh, yeah. Through personal relationships, I actually have a lot of family who is very hard-leaning liberal, and I have some more that would maybe disagree with me because they're so far in the middle uh, where, you know, they would only disagree with me slightly. Uh, I do have quite a bit of, uh, you know, friends and family on, you know, Facebook, and uh, I think that's the main one that I really keep up with people uh, that I know. But, uh, you know, on Facebook, I know that I have uh, family members who are leaning far right, too. So I, I, I have a pretty wide, you know, spectrum and uh, there was a challenge that was going around a little while ago before the election that they said to comment comment below how many, you know, if you go to Trump's uh, Facebook page, Joe Jorgensen's pa- uh, Facebook page, and uh, Biden's Facebook page and see how many of your friends are on each one. And people were, were showing all these numbers of like, you know, a huge 
huge difference between the two. Whenever I went, it was actually very, very much split between the three. Uh, Joe Jorgensen only had maybe 20 compared to maybe, you know, 150 to 160 on the others. So it was, it was very, very well split. Joe Jorgensen being the libertarian candidate? Yeah, yeah. She was the libertarian candidate that was uh, on all 50 states' ballots. Yeah, so that's cool. You have a fairly good split of people on Facebook. I don't. I <laughs> I think I posted after the election, I posted something like, if you're a Trump supporter, I still want to be your friend. Because I was seeing a lot of people on my Facebook feed saying that they have no time whatsoever for anyone who is a Trump supporter and they just can't be friends with these people anymore. And so I wanted to to post something to be nice to to Trump supporters and and I think I only got like two people who were maybe Trump supporters. Yeah. And and on in my whole in my whole Facebook friend world. And so I admire your diversity of viewpoints that you get to see on your social media. Yeah, yeah. Like I said, a lot of it is uh, I do have quite a bit of family uh, that you know, and some being distant family, but they they still are in close contact. Um, that you know, it's it's very very just uh, diverse. Uh, and then also just through working experience, I've been through quite a bit of working experience for as young as I am. So I've I've met quite a few uh, different people just in that sense alone. Yeah, um, that's important. I think that's important to have. Um, so let's talk about um, let's talk about COVID for a minute. So um, as we were as I was setting up my microphone, I was listening to a bit of your podcast when you were talking about COVID. I didn't have time to listen to the whole thing. Um, but basically, like, what do you think is is happening here with COVID? So my my overall viewpoint of COVID, it is a real virus. Many people will think that I just don't believe in the virus. I do believe in the virus, and I don't believe in maybe downplaying what the virus can to can do to to someone uh, or how easily spread it could be. That's that's not my my viewpoint. My viewpoint is just simply that. Uh, with this virus, I think that the American government in particular, I, I don't know much, you know, specifics about other governments. I know certain, you know, small details about other governments and what they've done with this virus uh, in regards to shutdowns and masks. But for the most part, I just know more or less what my government has done to me and the people that I know uh, directly. But in the American government, it seems that they've used this and it seems, and this is why I'm, I'm understanding more why people who lean further left, because I, I don't want to say Democrats, because some Democrats are still kind of closer to that middle left. And there are some Democrats that I know that I would very much agree with on most topics, or at least have a civil discussion with, with them on a, a, a many topics. But many, many far left leaning uh, mayors and governors in America are using this virus in, in a way to give them a lot of control. And that's more or less what I am talking out against. When I look at things like this virus and how we are treating it as a pandemic, to me, I look at statistics. I, I look at numbers, how well it, this virus really is spreading. And I'm, I'm also comparing those numbers to 
when people are in shutdown, uh, you know, because there was certain periods in different states at different times where, you know, people were locked into their homes. They weren't out at work. They weren't out at the store as often. They weren't allowed into restaurants. So I, I, com- I compare all of these statistics. And when I'm looking at these statistics, I realize that this virus really isn't as, it, it definitely is not as deadly as our American government for sure uh, makes it out to be. Uh, and it's, it's also not as dangerous as they're making it out to be either. Uh, and so that's, that's kind of been my viewpoint on it is just that this is something that when, when I'm looking into these statistics and a little bit of the science behind it, because I understand when you look into the science behind the virus, you can really get mixed vibes from credible people, people who I, I would, I would give, you know, full credibility to that they would still give mixed views uh, compared to someone who I would give just as much credible or credibility to. So, you know, with, with the science behind it, it's, it's hard to really understand. But by statistics, I see that we, we have this thing that's called herd immunity. And I've heard many scientists talk about it in the same way, but it seems that we kind of ignore that where herd immunity, as we are all going out and, and kind of uh, being surrounded by germs just in general, then we are going to catch a herd immunity to most viruses, to most sicknesses just in general. And we've treated this virus completely different than we treat any other virus. Uh, we treat it, we've treated it much different than we treat just influenza, the, the flu. So, and it seems that we're only protecting against this virus where we're actually catching a lot more sicknesses because we're only focusing on this one virus. And in a hmm. lot of ways, it's, it's more or less frustrating to me to, to see the government kind of becoming a tyranny almost, uh, that, that, they're, that they're really using this as power and keeping it in their back pocket. Because, it, and like I said, it seems that it's only left-leaning, hard left-leaning governors and mayors that are, that are doing it this way. And in those same states, New York is a great example where uh, Cuomo and Blasio, the, the governors and the mayors out there in, in New York, are, are having the highest, the, the, the most strict uh, mandates in New York out of most of the country, yet the cases and the deaths are much worse there. So to, to me, I, I think the virus is not something to, be, to, to really fear, and especially just from a Christian standpoint, I don't think it's something to fear. Uh, and, but more or less to, to look into it and to understand what your risk is personally, and to, to really look out for yourself rather than putting mandates that affect people in, in very harsh ways that aren't going to help the majority of people. When you talk about these statistics, what, what, can you say anything specifically? Like you say, you looked at statistics that showed differences between when states were quarantining and locking down versus when they weren't. And what did you find there? Yeah. So, uh, I mean, I don't have charts in front of me right now, but I can tell you just off the top of my head. Um, for example, just in, in Ohio, uh, one thing, and, and this is something that I brought out kind of showing that I've been very hard against the masks because there's been so much back and forth with what the masks really do. At first, it seemed silly to me, but then they were saying that it's going to help. And the way that they were explaining it, you know, uh, Fauci and other very, you know, higher up in our government, those scientists, they were explaining it in a way, the CDC was even explaining it in a way that, okay, the masks seem that they might work. And so I went along with it. 
But then as time went back, you know, or time went on, they went back and forth. So with, with masks, for example, you know, I've just been very skeptical uh, because I don't understand how they can work. And in many ways, I think that they might be hurting our health. But uh, for, for the masking period, you can see statistically that as the curve does flatten, it is whenever, and, and this happens in most states that I've looked at. I've, I've looked at about 15, 15 to 18 states and when the curve does start to flatten, it is about the time that they put a mask mandate in most of these states. So though I don't believe personally that the masks are going to help anything, statistics like this might show that, that masks work. Uh, whereas, you know, maybe in, in shutdowns and things like that, we see that, uh, for example, in, in New York, I know that's the one that's, that's probably the greatest example, um, where New York during their shutdown period, which they've been shut down, I believe, longer than, longer and, and harder, more stricter uh, shutdowns than most states in America. During their shutdowns, they are still reporting at a higher death rate, uh, especially if you if you take their their death percentages, uh, you know, or just deaths per day, uh, you know, and and take it even just per capita, uh, they're 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 death rate is at a, an alarming rate compared to other states that don't have as strict of, of shutdown policies uh, or even just restrictions in uh, restaurants and dining areas. So when, when, we, when you look at statistics like that, the shutdowns really have not helped as far as spreading, and they definitely have not helped as far as the death rates have gone uh, when, when you kind of look at the comparison and different charts and graphs, uh, things of that nature. Hmm. So, and again, we, uh, I'm not a scientist. Are you a scientist? No, I'm not. <laughs> so we're kind of talking about things that we don't really understand, but you did look at the statistics. And so you were, you are really trying to understand things and that's, that's admirable. Cause I, I, don't really um I haven't done that level of research on this. I just kind of go with um what people around me are comfortable with. So when they want me to wear a mask, I wear a mask and that kind of thing. But so it seems like what you're saying, if I heard you correctly, that the statistics show that the masks might work. Because when the curves were flattening, that was when the mats the mask mandates were starting to be in place. Is that right? Yeah, yeah. And, and I I think on, I believe in one of my episodes on COVID, I did explain that too, uh, because I, I think just prior to that, I was kind of preaching against the masks. But then I, I showed that, you know, though uh, though there, there doesn't seem to be scientific, uh, just just from my, my uh, little knowledge of, of science, I do know just kind of, more or less the common sense science that I know, uh, and even what I have researched, it doesn't seem that the masks would work. Though, from someone that, that wants to maybe take the stand on the side of masks do work, there, there is statistics to show both ways. Uh, and, and so I think it, there's, there's more of a, a, like I said, that curve does seem to flatten when masks are put into place. And the, the combat that I have to that personally would be that 
I, I take that and I, I understand that, that that curve does flatten, but that's also at the time where people have been out of their houses for a longer period of time where it seems that that's about the time frame that from what I understand about herd immunity, that's about the time that that herd immunity would start to kick in and you would see a decrease in cases and you would see a decrease in deaths uh, and things of that nature. But ultimately, you know, if you just look at those statistics and, and see that those masks, mask mandates were put into place uh, and then shortly after the curves, the, the curves did, did indeed flatten. So there could be an argument that maybe the masks do work uh, when there's mandates put into place where more people are wearing them than when there's not mask mandates. So I, I definitely do take that argument uh, in, into account when, when thinking about that, because like I said, I, I do believe in statistics very hard, uh, you know, I'm very uh, in-depth. And, and so those statistics do kind of show that that's, that is a possibility that those masks are working. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so... Yeah, and I, I don't want to keep asking you science questions because <laughs> obviously um, it, it would be great to have a like a scientist or something here as well. Um, but yeah, I, I admire your your willingness to sort really look at the statistics and actually sort of change your mind on something. Um, I remember sort of early on in the pandemic, I saw this video pop up on my facebook feed of uh andrew cuomo how do you pronounce his last name I'm yeah cuomo. sure but the, he's the governor of new york is that right yeah i believe so i believe it's governor uh andrew cuomo um yeah it was a video of him in some sort of press conference or something where reporters were asking him about the economic impact and he just it was very um, he was very, he's speaking very powerfully and he was saying economic, economic hardship is bad. Yes. Like losing your job is bad, but it's not death. And we're talking about death here. And when we're talking about COVID-19 and trying to prevent more people from, from dying from it. And he said that in many different ways, he said, death is worse than economic hardship and and that video i think it's spread on many left-wing facebook pages um so yeah what do you what do you say to someone who's who likes andrew cuomo and likes what he said during that press conference yeah i mean ultimately i i can't disagree with that i mean i i, I can understand where he would come from with that statement knowing that the man that it came from, knowing that it came from Andrew Cuomo, a man who you, you can look at cases where he had put sick people with COVID into nursing homes, which then caused so many more deaths than anything. So really where, where that boils down to, the message is not what I'm upset with. To me, actions speak much louder than words. And the actions that he's had there in New York absolutely don't don't correlate with with what he's trying to preach there with, with his message uh, and so coming from the man himself I, I kind of discredit that the message I can understand the message but I still kind of stand to the same point if uh, just because you know I, I, I agree with the message I think the message is heartfelt uh, if coming from the correct person but my question still stands how long does this go on 
how, you know, how long do we have to keep people shut up? Because if you take this economic hardship too far, it, it really does drive to death because people cannot afford to put a roof over their own heads. They can, cannot afford to feed their, their own children. They can't afford to feed themselves. Uh, and so, I mean, ultimately, I, I don't know how far uh, you push these shutdowns, if that is the case. I just, I just simply don't understand where we draw the line of when it's, when it's over, uh, if that is the case. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, thanks for answering. That was, that was a good answer. I think, I think maybe we'll finish up soon, but I wanted to ask you, uh, about your Christianity and that's something that is also kind of a, a political issue, um, whether or not that's a good thing, I don't know, but it really is, yeah. Um, and it's divided on the left-right spectrum as well. You know, people on the left think that Christianity should be, or religion in general, should be separate from politics, and everyone should have their their religion in in their in whatever corner of their life they can fit it in and and their politics has to be separate and many on the right don't believe that and and i wondered i mean personally i used to be a christian and then i was an atheist and then now i'm one of these people who has no idea what's going on in the universe um beyond what what i can see here so maybe i think maybe there's something out there or maybe there's not and i don't i have a bible over here but i haven't really read much of it um so yeah well how does christianity affect your politics so ultimately what what i try to drive uh you know just in my life in general is my christian beliefs my christianity that directs my life. That is foremost before anything. When I chose my wife, I, I chose a woman who was someone who, uh, who put God first in her life. And that way she can keep me founded where God is the, the center point for both of our lives. And that's what makes our relationship strong. So, you know, just about every aspect of my life is driven by my Christianity, by my Christian beliefs. And by, you know, with, with politics, I, it, it is hard to draw the line where you're going too far into uh, focusing on, on politics and too far, you know, I, I don't think there really is a too far towards Christianity in, in my views. Um, but, you know, it, 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 there is at times where it's hard to, to keep yourself from going too far into politics uh, and, and not letting your Christianity direct those politics as, as I try to do. Um, but ultimately that's, that's what I try my best to do is to stick first a Christian and then, you know, someone who is also interested in, in my, in my politics and someone who's patriotic. Mm. So uh, in this whole conversation, I have not heard you say that, for example, we should, uh, eliminate these lockdowns because Jesus said so. Um, which I think is a stereotype that people use for, for many right-wing Christians is that they, 
what they do is they they figure out what the politics are in the Bible and then they try to implement that in real life. And so what what would you say? Like, are there things in the Bible that are political that you would want to implement in real life? Or is the Bible sort of, and Christianity in general, is that sort of a thing that guides you as a as a person um, in order for you to make up your own mind about politics? Uh, yeah, I mean, for, there, there are certain times where uh, politics are explained in the Bible. For the most part, uh, I know in Romans 13 is, is one where Paul is talking to the Roman church and he writes a letter to them and, and he's explaining to them to obey their government, but not to, and really you see this in, in many different areas too, is, is where Christians are, are to obey their government, but not to be pushed further away from God by listening to what their government says. For example, Paul himself was put into prison many times for not listening to his government. Uh, you know, he was told many times to stop preaching God's word and to stop the message that he was spreading. But he didn't listen to that because God came first in his life. So as, as long for, for me and for the message that I would give to other Christians would be that you really, uh, I guess maybe, maybe there's not a, a good way to put it, but you, you don't let your politics change your, your Christian views. Uh, you know, so ultimately you wouldn't go so far as to, to try to change your Christian views because of the way you view politics, but you would let your, you would let your Christian views change your politics. For example, I believe that abortion is wrong because of my Christian views. Uh, you know, and, and though I think some people look at a political stance on that, well, it, it's not fair to, to women who can't raise the child. That would be a political view. And they let that change the way that they would see that in a Christian view. Uh, so, you know, ultimately, I, I don't let my politics change my Christianity, but I, I will uh, enforce my Christianity to, to change the way I view something political. Hmm. Yeah, this this might be a, a long conversation and you brought up abortion. Um so what what is it about Christianity that makes you not like abortion? I uh, I think it's it's simply murder. I I don't know uh, especially late term abortion. I think that's the biggest one. Mm-hmm. Where a lot of our our tax, taxpayer dollars in America goes to Planned Parenthood, and much of that goes to paying for uh, young women to go in and get abortions. That that does happen in America. Uh, I'm not sure how that how that is in, in Canada, and if you guys have any kind of laws, uh, I'm not sure how that's laid out for you guys. But in America, it, it is more or less encouraged. Um, but ultimately, I, I view that life in the womb as life. And if you are taking that life away, you are then murdering an innocent child. Uh, and, and I simply don't know how else to view that. Uh, you know, and I, I understand that that's a hard view to take, especially in today's world. And I even have Christians that, that would, 
maybe even disagree with me on on when that life begins. But ultimately, uh, you know, I just every term that I've ever heard from anyone that uh, that uh, would support abortion, they their definition of life begins sooner than what they realize in the womb. So when you meet people who who say that they are in favor of letting women have abortions you also notice that they have a definition of life that contradicts their political view um i don't know if i'd say it that way but i i think that their definition of life would begin sooner than than they realize i think many times which which some uh, would just say that life begins once you exit the womb, which I could then combat with you know, the fact that there is a, a living heartbeat. And I don't understand what separates inside the womb to outside the womb when talking about life. So I, I think that they just, uh, you know, for most that I've talked to about abortion, when they define what life is to me, sci- you know, just by science, which I, I know I'm not a scientist, but I do know, I've researched into what the science shows of when most, uh, most things are formed in the womb. And to me, that, that seems too much to, to ignore. Yeah, this is, this is a hard thing to talk about because it's, it's so hard to define when a life becomes a life. Yeah. Um, and I know... So just a little bit of background in Canada, abortion is legal. You you are allowed to to get abortions and pretty much uh, politicians don't really talk about it. It's kind of like off the table. We're not, we've already made our decision about that. It's legal. Let's talk about other things. That's kind of how it is in Canada. Mm -hmm. Um, And I don't, as far as I know, everyone who I've talked to about this, they're in favor of abortions, but they're definitely not in favor of late-term abortions. Um, so I guess, I mean, this is an age-old, I mean, maybe not an age-old, I don't know when abortion, abortions were invented, but it, it, this conversation seems to be about when do we say that a baby is alive. Yeah. Um, and that's, it seems to me like that's the question you're asking as well, um, which is good. And I'm, I'm not really, I don't think we can really go into like actually when do we decide when a baby is really alive and when it is not. That's, I think that's too hard of a conversation to have on, on my podcast personally. Um, but it seems like, is there a point where you draw that line? I, I would say the only consistent view of standing against abortion that I've ever heard and one that I can agree with uh, and stand firmly with would be that life begins at the point of conception. Hmm. Yeah. I, there's, there's, that's a, such a hard conversation. I don't really know how to... Yeah, and I mean it, it is it is something that science is very consistent on that. That's one that I don't think is hard for uh, even just you know average Joe like you and I to go on. Uh, there's many 
uh, YouTube videos. YouTube's a great place to go to for stuff like that. But, uh, you know, it's, it's one that you'll, you'll just studying just how birth, uh, you know, how, how a fetus is formed in the womb, uh, that it's, it's very consistent that no matter what your views on, on abortion are, it seems that, that science stays pretty consistent on. And that's, that's why I feel that I can take such a hard stance on something like abortion. Um, just because that is something that the, the science is very consistent on that. I can look at other people who are credible in a difficult subject and take that stance based on what they've, they've stated themselves. Hmm. Yeah. I mean, I, I can't say that I'm, f- that I'm fully on board with that. Um, and I don't know why. So I think maybe I'll have to do some more, some more research on that. I think, yeah, it, I think it has to do with, you know, stories I've heard and, and this is sort of changing the topic, but, or statistics that I've heard other people quote where they say that women are going to get abortions, whether it's legal or not. And less people will die less mothers will die if they're legal. Um, and that is sort of the argument that is, that is, that I hear the most that's in favor of abortion. Um, I'm assuming that you've heard that argument. Yeah. Yeah. I've, I've heard that. And, uh, I don't know the number off the top of my head. That's one that I'd have to look up. Um, but just, you know, this, the, like I said, I'm, I, I believe hardcore in statistics, so when somebody makes that argument that more lives would be saved if they're if they're legal, then uh, which the statement is true, if whether you legalize it or keep it legal, people will get abortions. I understand that, but more mothers might be saved in the, in the sense of the very few that really die from giving birth. The, the statistics, uh, I, I know at least in America, I I don't know if the numbers that I'm thinking of are in the U.S. or if they're worldwide. Um, but I know that it's it's a very small mar- margin of, of mm-hmm. abortions happen because they're trying to save the mother's life. Uh, it's, it's a very small margin. margin. And, and also to the same, the same point that if you think that more mothers' lives would be saved through abortions, I would also combat that with saying, how many lives are you taking through abortions? Mm-hmm. Because there are so many lives that could be lived and for us to also to, to judge whether that life will be will be uh, of good quality or not, we don't know the future for that child. And f- by us not giving them that option of life, that's not for us to take away. Uh, and so, you know, I, I think there's, you know, with with the amount of abortions that there are, there if we took them away, if we didn't have abortions, there would be so much more life than if we were to. Uh, keep them around because it seems like there's there's so much more lives being taken, uh, you know, by the, those babies. The lives are being taken for sure. Uh, a very small more margin of those abortions, the mother would die. So that's kind of how I, I would combat that argument. Yeah, and maybe a correction here. The, when I was when I was saying um, that more people would die if it was illegal. I think what I what I the story I'm thinking of is a woman who who's gotten pregnant and who can't fathom 
being able to take care of a baby wants to get an abortion, but abortion is legal. Illegal, I mean. Abortion is illegal. She has to go somewhere where she can get an illegal abortion. And maybe that's some guy on the street who's like selling abortions for a thousand bucks if you come into his basement and 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 that's not a, a safe place to have an abortion and so making it legal makes it safe for those people who are going to do it anyway is um i'm not sure if if that was impression you got from what I said. Yeah, I that that wasn't, but that 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 makes a little bit more sense. I guess to that argument I would just say that uh, I mean for the the person who commits a crime and goes in to rob a bank, uh you know, if we allowed bank robbers to go in and rob banks, there would probably be less bank robbers shot and killed as well. Uh, you know, committing the crime is, is what was wrong there. Uh not not uh having that that crime to be illegal. That's kind of where I would I would stand on that. Yeah, that's see, this is why I love talking to people who have different views because I would not have thought of that. <laughs> that that if if I was someone who thought that having an abortion was was murder, even if you were only pregnant for a week, of course I would I would want it to be illegal, just like bank robberies are legal, even though the mother might die. I'm not concerned about bank robbers dying if they try to rob a bank. So why would I be concerned about mothers dying if they're trying to have an abortion? Yeah. So that that's the kind of thing that... That's the kind of perspective that I love to, to gain, even, even though my views haven't changed. I haven't changed my view about abortion. But I've learned... It, my view has become more more nuanced. Yeah, and, uh, because and, of what you just said. And I, I think the the discussion aspect of it. Many people have a discussion with other people uh, that don't have the same mindset as them. They don't have the same views as them. They have that that conversation to change their mind, and that's where we go wrong in most most places. Because uh, you know, I I don't talk about abortion to you to try to change your mind. I just try to give you a perspective. Maybe we can meet meet some kind of common ground and at least understand each other and respect each other for the way that we we believe. I don't expect to change anybody's mind. I, I just expect, you know, that the unity doesn't need to be changing people's mind to agree on everything. Uh, it really just needs to be that we can at least come to a common ground and find some kind of peace between us, you know? Yeah. So maybe we can just end it end it kind of there I'm, I'm I'm happy to have had a chance to talk to you and to hear how you think and and um, maybe we can do this again sometime yeah yeah for sure I'd, I'd definitely be open to, to doing it again I like you said I, I like I like conversations with people of a, a different view especially political views uh, and, and even even Christianity views too I, I, I like that that uh kind of intelligence that you get just from learning a different perspective, you know, and not necessarily changing your mind, but just hearing something new. I think that's, that's a lot of fun. And I, I, I enjoyed the, the time to, to chat with you as well. Yeah. Okay. So your podcast is politically insane. Um, do you want to promote anything else while we're here? 
uh, yeah, I mean, I've, I'm on Facebook, uh, Twitter, and Parlor. Uh, I'm trying to lean more towards Parlor right now, just because I feel like that's maybe a little bit more of an, an open uh, source that that doesn't really ban anything that you say. <laughs> uh, so I, I, uh, that is where I'm kind of leaning. But uh, anyways, yeah, I mean, politicallyinsane.us is my website. If anybody wants to hear more of of my views and and what I have to say on there, anyways. All right. Well, thanks for being here. Yeah, thanks for having me. And uh, that's it for now. If you want, if anyone is out there and they want to be a guest on this podcast, please reach out. My email is paulbartonsounds at gmail.com. Yeah, feel free to email me or if you have any questions or for whatever. So I'll see you next time.